Hey, good morning, all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. Uh, I'll tell you, it's a Thursday. We talk about science, economics, and goodness here on the Common Good Podcast. And today's December 21st, winter solstice day. So happy solstice, everybody. And uh, if you have friends, you know, that you know, are pagans or otherwise, this is the day to say hello. <laughs> don't, don't, don't wait till tomorrow and think I miss solstice day with my friends. Uh, it's a good day. Uh, shortest sunlight day of the year, longest darkness day, depending on, I guess, how, how you look at it in the Northern hemisphere. And I'm assuming the opposite on the Southern hemisphere. Um, things are just going to get brighter around here, friends. Um, and I'm Doug Paget in, um, in Minneapolis. Uh, we have Rob Ryersey, who's often with us on Tuesdays uh, here. And then we have, uh, we have Frederick. Hi, Frederick. Good to see you. Good to be here. Frederick, we often start by talking about the weather, which is a perfect topic for today as we talk about the environment, as we talk about what we can do about it. I live in a place called Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, the northern part of the of the United States. Uh, we border Canada, middle of the country. Sunny, going to be 42 today and going to be 50 degrees Fahrenheit tomorrow and uh, Saturday. It is supposed to be like 20 degrees right now Fahrenheit. We are 30 degrees above normal <laughs> Um, uh, so we can get into all that as we go. Uh, but Frederick, how, how, how are things where you are? So I'm in upstate New York and it's actually quite sunny, a little bit, a little bit of snow. It's the first snow we got all, all winter, which is also not what you'd expect. So how far, how far upstate? Um, pretty upstate, um, Ithaca, New York. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Rob, how are things squirreled away outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas? It's going to be 60 today. And uh, kind of partly, I don't know, partly cloudy, partly sunny. Which is which, which is it? When it's partly cloudy, partly sunny, seems like that's two sides of the same coin. I don't know. Have you have you solved that one, Doug? Dude, I have been around I, for whatever reason. I fixate on this stuff. Um, Dude, what, yeah. what, what, I, 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 something it doesn't surprise me that you would fixate on that. Like like when people say there's a forty percent chance of rain or snow, mm -hmm. what what that means. Yeah, it doesn't mean what people think it means. It means yeah. there's a 100% chance of rain in 40% of the area that they're describing. And when you say that to people, no. they're like, what? no, 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 it can't mean that. It doesn't mean that. And you're like, it means that it's going to rain <laughs> in 40% no. of the geographic area on the grid. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's, wait it's a happening minute. already, Frederick. I'm telling you. It, <laughs> This is how it goes. It, it goes. It, Are you done. serious? That's what it means. Now, and, and we can walk along a long journey to help people, uh, you know, come to grips with the fact that that's what uh, percentage chance of precipitation. This this, this feels you, like this feels like a couple of weeks. You've lost half of your audience right there. I mean, you know, yeah, people yeah. have just exploded. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah, this feels like a couple of weeks ago when I found out that ponies are not baby horses. And uh, I, I thought pony was a term for a baby horse, yes. like puppy is a term for a dog. And it's apparently that's not the same. Felt like my whole life was a sham. Doug, you just blew my mind. And and it is so complicated for them to get the all weather is complicated to predict. But the chance of precipitation, that one particularly difficult because people are like, they're always wrong. It didn't, you know, it didn't rain and then the meteorologists or the predictors are like, what we said was it was going to rain in 40% of the area that we were describing. 
Not that there was a four out of ten chance it was going to rain on your head. So anyway, it's it's not a helpful calculation. Um, uh, but anyway, I I hope your your skies are sunny. I hope it's a zero percent chance of of rain, or a one hundred percent chance of rain. And it gets easier when you do it like that. If you say one hundred percent chance of rain, then you're like it's going to rain in the entire area that we're describing. Mm -hmm. Somehow that feels a little cleaner. And then when they say, well, it's a 40% chance, you're like, well, there's a 40% chance it's going to rain everywhere. And they're like, no, we actually mean there's a 100% chance that it's going to rain 40% of the areas. So you can clearly not drink the wine in front of you from Princess Bride. All right. Well, Frederick, we have more important things to talk about when it has to do with the weather and the sky than uh, how calculations are done on predicting weather uh, precipitation. But that's kind of important. All right. So, Fred, tell us about the week. This is such a, a curious and wonderful idea to help people engage in um, response to the environment. Um, so, so describe what it is, a week where people get together with friends or family or others in their lives. They meet three times, watch a documentary film, have a discussion. Like it's a, such a creative way to think about how you're going to engage on issues of the environment and what people can do about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it all started with like, how do we wrap our head around this huge, big topic, right? Like, you know, tons of scientists do stuff about it, but like, what does it mean for me in my life? What will it mean for me, my kids in the next, whatever, 10, 20, 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it was only four years ago that I, me and my wife really grappled with this and, and really understood the severity and the importance of it and what came out of it for me and for us was like, hey, like in 10, 20, 30 years, I want to be able to look my kids in the eyes and say, you know what? I didn't avoid the topic. I went straight for it. I looked at it and then I decided, you know, that I was going to do some stuff to try to protect them in their future. What 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 happened? What 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 was it four years ago? Um, I mean, you know, I, the background was always there. Like we, we live in upstate New York, like, you know, people who grew up here tell us like, you know, there was snow all winter for like five months, you know, and now, you know, we barely get like two or three snow episodes, right? We haven't had a single one this, this winter. So, I mean, you know, I, it's there in the background. Like we knew that things are, are changing. Um, and then, you know, you see all these news, you know, articles and, and stuff and documentaries. And mm -hmm. I don't know if, it's the same for you or maybe for some people that listen, like I would read the first few lines and then I would always like, blah, you know, put it away because it feels pretty depressing and it feels overwhelming and, and it makes me feel sort of small and powerless. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't really engage with any of it in any form of depth. And then four years ago, we had good friends who came to visit for a week and they had children the same age as ours. And we were just so impressed by their willingness to really find out. Mm. and to go for it and to be temporarily uncomfortable because when you look at it you know for a while it feels overwhelming it really does but then what they taught us is that you don't get stuck there right and 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 so we decided okay you know there was a bit of a pride involved like if if our friends can look at it like we can do it right like um we and so we my wife and i just read everything we could read for a few months and watched all the document documentaries we could and and sure enough, it, it sent us on this journey. We we talk about it as sort of a U-shaped journey. So some people talk about it a bit like a grief journey. Like, you know, at first, like there was a lot of fear and anger and sadness that came up for us about, you know, wow, shit, like, you know, 
what's going to happen in the next 20, 30 years for, our, for us, I'm still going to be around and, and our kids is not going to be pleasant. Um, but then luckily you don't get stuck at the bottom of the U. Like for us, you know, we came out on the other side, just lots of clarity about like, okay, if this is the topic, like we haven't chosen it, but if this is a thing, you know, if there, an asteroid was going to hit the earth and, you know, imperil my children's future, then I would fight an asteroid. Like it just happens to be, hmm. you know, climate change and, and environmental stuff. Um, like I'm not an environmentalist at heart. Like that's, that's just not who I am. But like, if that's what's going to, you know, come for us, then let's fight that thing. Um, what, what, what were you when, before you were an environmentalist, how, how did you describe yourself? Yeah. I, I don't know if I still describe myself as an environmentalist. Like it, it just happens to be the topic that seems to be coming for us. So okay. that's the one, you know, um, Hey, I mean, I, I studied business. I, I have a, an MBA. I worked at a large prestigious consulting firm. Um, you know, I used to have a life where I was flying around and, um, in airplanes all the time and stay in hotels and, and advise large companies and banks and chemical firms. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a business type, like, you know, okay. um, I still, you know, yeah, suit and ties and, and all of those things and, and, and PowerPoints and Excel. So, so that's, that's sort of my background. Um, and I, I found myself stumbling into this. And so when, when we went through this journey, we figured like, wow, like we spend so much time watching all these documentaries, reading all these things. And, and we feel like everybody has a right to know, like everybody has this right to be able to say in 10, 20, 30 years, like I knew what was happening and I made whatever choices I felt I wanted to make. And so this was during the pandemic. And so we invited some friends to go through a little journey with us. And the way we did it was we invited them three nights in a row. Um, you know, it was video calls because it was the pandemic. And anyway, a lot of our friends live all over and, and, and not, you know, in upstate New York. And so they joined us for three nights and, and every night we would share for an hour what we had learned. And then we would invite them to have a conversation about it you know, an open conversation where we don't tell them what to do because, you know, who am I to tell them what to do? Like, you know, but just, okay, you know, this is where, you know, this is heading. This is what, what scientists say. And so, you know, what, what do you want to do about it? Um, and it worked so well, like people were so deeply touched and, mm. and impressed that they, they started sharing the recordings of these videos, which just was like crazy. Like, you know, hear people inviting some other friends saying like, Hey, you know, I want you to watch this recording of these two people talking to us for an hour. You know, it wasn't very sexy and, but it's, you know, already went viral. And so that's when we decided let's turn it into, into movies. And so to answer your question, what does it look like? So if you feel like, okay, I'm sort of like Fred a few years ago, I'm sort of avoiding the topic, but now it feels like time to go look at it. Um, you just get a group together. So it's something you don't do alone, right? Because otherwise you wow. feel alone. <laughs> so you do it with friends or with family members or with colleagues or, you know, and you, with your, your faith group in your church, in your sports club, whatever group it is that is important to you, people that you feel like this would be fun to do it with. You invite them to come together three times, every time like an hour and a half. Um, and the first hour you watch this documentary that we created, that we've sort of very carefully scripted and, and lovingly produced, and you watch it together. And then we suggest a simple format to discuss with that group. Hey, what, what showed up for me? You know, when I, when I watched it, like what, you know, how do I make sense of it? Um, because again, we don't tell people what to do. Like, I don't like people to tell me what 
I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when climate scientists tell me like, you should do this or you shouldn't do that, like, I, you know, I don't like that. So we just lay out, you know, what we've learned, um, you know, and then people decide for themselves, like what, what they want to, what they want to do with it. And, yeah. and the three episodes are written in a way that sort of lead people through that same sort of u-shaped journey that we were in so episode one is quite brutal to be honest like you know it's yeah. all out there right um, the, metaphor, yeah. the metaphor we use is like we show all the puzzle pieces like one of the reasons that most of us don't engage too much with it other than it feels overwhelming is you know we take this in in bits and pieces right like hey you know there's suddenly this heat dome there and there's wildfires there and then you know we're you know we don't have enough water in california anymore and you know, and then we have these hurricanes and, but it rarely comes together to make like this complete picture, including what will happen to us in the next 30 years. Right. And so we don't talk about icebergs melting. We don't talk about, you know, the polar bears, but we talk about like, Hey, here in the U S where we live, depending on where you live, what will happen, you know, in the, in the next 30 years. Um, and so we, we just make it very simple very, you know, conversational, very human, like, you know, um, that's episode one. So episode one, you basically go down the U, right? It's this thing that most of us have been trying to avoid. Um, but we bring it in a very simple fashion, like, like, like we're talking to friends or like we're talking to neighbors. Um, and, and so, you know, the conversation after episode one is, is often beautiful. Like people just think about themselves, their kids, what's going to happen. Um, and so we hear from a lot of people who tell us like, you know, I've watched it with a group of friends. We've been friends for 15 years, and this is the deepest conversation we've had because mm. we just slowed down, took the time, and talked about something super essential, which is like you know our future and the future we we wish for our kids. Um, and so that's you know first episode. You watch a one-hour film, you have a half-hour conversation, and then you can't binge-watch. You have to wait 24 hours. It's sort of part of the process. It's like you have to sit with it for at least a day or two. Right. And then episode two is sort of the bottom of the U where we go into like, how the, you know, did we get into this, you know, um, and, and is there, is there hope? Like, you know, what would be the kind of changes we need to do individually, but also collectively um, to, to turn this around. So that's episode two. And so people with episode two, you know, same thing, one hour film, then have a conversation and they sort of reconnect with possibilities and hope and, um, and then again, you can't binge watch and then episode three gets you sort of back up to you. So for most people, that's the episode that's full of, you know, energy and, and inspiration. And again, we don't people tell people what to do, but we just show like, hey, you know, there's so many, you know, we need to shift our energy systems. We need to shift our, our food systems. And, you know, what part do you want to play? You know, what, what would you enjoy doing? What are you good at? Like, what would be your unique contribution? And so for a lot of people, um, they tell us like this third episode is a really interesting reframing like so much of the environmental discourse has been sort of a you know ah uh, you know we have to sacrifice we have to stop doing things we like and you know it's it's not a very yeah, for sure you know, feeling um and so we sort of turn this around and say whether we realize it or not whether we want it or not like this is going to be one of the if not the defining collective adventure hmm you know, for humanity in the next 10, 20, 30 years. And if there's such an adventure, like, where do you want to be? Do you want to stay on the sidelines or do you want to be part of it? And yeah. if you want to be part of it, what would give you joy? What would make your life richer? 
Um, yeah. And so for a lot of people that suddenly unlocks lots of possibilities. And then, you know, these groups of people, these friends or these, you know, groups of family or, you know, with their, with a faith group, they suddenly decide together, like, hey, let's do this. This would be fun. Let's, you know. Um, yeah. Fred, I'm, I'm, I'm curious uh, uh, that you have kind of brought together two things that actually bring about change in people's lives. Um, mm -hmm. What's really interesting, I, I remember um, um, uh, um, Doug said once that um, it, if someone has changed, if someone's going through some kind of significant change in their life, it's most likely because they've seen a documentary and there's, and there's something about that medium that, that helps people think differently about things that coupled with a group of people, a community, a group of friends, um, like it's, that seems like a really powerful combination. And I'm curious, like, what that was like in terms of kind of thinking about, okay, we're going to share, we're going to turn these zoom calls into documentaries. And then we're going to like, try to get people to facilitate, you know, groups of, you know, folks watching them together. Like, where did that idea come from? So the idea to do it in groups really came from Ellen, my wife. So this is a joint project that the both of us did. And, and she had this idea of like, let's just say you can't do this. You can't do this alone. You have to do it as a group. Um, and at first I, I, I thought like, wow, that's a big, that's a big constraint. My, you know, my idea was like, okay, let's have sort of this three episodes. Let's, you know, help people go through this U-shaped journey that we went through. Um, and yeah. And she was so right to say like, no, let's do it as groups. Um, because the risk otherwise that I've seen this with documentaries, like, I see a documentary and I've been super touched. There's something in me that is stirring. But my, if my wife or my friends or my family or my colleagues haven't seen it, mm -hmm. then suddenly I feel sort of like, ah, oh, I've gone through this thing, but they have no idea. And especially if I want to change something in my mm -hmm. life about this and they don't see this, like, you know, I mean, it happens all the time. Like you want to make some change and some, and the people around you go like, what happened to you? Like, mm -hmm, I don't mm -hmm. recognize you. Like, you know, I want the old version of you back. Yeah. Right. And they, they want to, you know, hold you back. And so the same thing, the same thing happens. Um, you know, in, in the films, we, we filmed nine wonderful, amazing yeah. sort of ordinary heroes. Right. We yeah. chose was, some ordinary yeah. people. Yeah. I was going to say, I wanted to, I wanted to let folks know that it's not just your and Helene's journey, but yeah. it's, it tells the story of people that are engaged and involved. Yeah. And so, so they're ordinary, you know, people who've had the courage to really face what's coming and decided, you know, that they would do something about it. And each one, you know, decided for their own, what, what it would be. And I remember one person, um, Yancy, you know, who, who worked in the, in the oil industry and, and he was just shocked by by the number of spills and you know what they were asked to do and they, at some point it made no sense and you know he's a yeah he's a deeply religious person and so he really prayed you know you know on this with his wife to decide to discern and he you know he made a, a segue to to a whole different you know he brought now his skills to 
um, you know, to electric car industry and and. But what is so beautiful is like like he had the support of his wife, right? But so many other people, if they don't understand what he went through, would have said like, "You've got an amazing job, you know, in the oil industry. You make lots of money. Are you crazy? What's happened to you?" Like, right? We need the people around us to go on a similar journey, mm-hmm. so that we all understand the same things, and then we might make different decisions, but we understand where we're coming from, right? You know, and I'm sure if Yancy didn't have his wife, that fall, you know, it would have been so much harder. So we need companionship in in these journeys whenever we we change. Yeah, for sure. And Fred, it's, it's look, it's really brilliant to get people together and uh, uh, shared thought, especially that, like doing it three days subsequently, or you know, in a row, or three days in a week, something like that. It's really smart because it lets people ruminate, you know, uh, on it. I, I love it. And people are looking forward. Like we've even had groups. I mean, we tell people it, it should be a group that you know, right? Your friends, family, colleagues, sure. whatever. Right. But sometimes we've had groups for some reason where people assembled people, friends who didn't know each other, right? So imagine Doug, you assembled a number of friends who don't know each other. And like after episode one, like people are so looking forward to meeting again for episode two and three, like something yeah. quite deep right. happens. And we know that uh, more than 50% of the groups decide to keep meeting at least yeah. a fourth and afterwards so people have had something you know just these profound beautiful conversations where you show up real where you figure out where nobody tells you what to do and and people just want to keep staying in that in that space yeah i mean i imagine it fills a lot of needs for people some of it might be specific topic to the environment and what they can do in response some of it's just also people want to have interesting conversations with smart people about things that matter oh. and we, we're void of that in our society Exactly. I mean, a lot of us do go to places and do things just to get a little taste of, can mm-hmm. I just be in a significant interaction with someone about something? You yeah. can take almost anything. It doesn't matter. It's like why people yeah. are in book clubs. They're like, it's never about the book. Sometimes it's about the wine, but it's usually <laughs> just about talking to somebody about something that matters. That's not just the the typical, how was your day? And you know, how, how do they calculate the, precipitation chances like they want something more more <laughs> consequential than that so Dog, that was interesting don't, don't beat yourself I, up I, yeah i i think it's i think it's brilliant how many of these people are doing it uh like you did in your original run through where they're doing it on zoom or something versus they're gathering together in someone's shared you know in a house in the shared space yeah. both both can be done 40 percent of the groups are doing it online um you know on, on some video conferencing platform and 60 percent are doing it you know in okay. person you don't see any real difference in no, so far a, about how connected people feel or anything? No, that was surprising and, and encouraging for us. Like I, I thought like, you know, if you're in person, obviously like that's gonna feel like even more like a bonding experience. But actually, you know, yeah, it, it depends it, on the person. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. introverts. A lot of introverts, yeah. Their anxiety <laughs> just goes through the roof when they're in yeah. a room and they're watching the dynamics happen. They're like, Oh yeah. my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of social pressure. So yeah, the Zoom can be a real yeah. safety place for a lot of people. Fred, in, in the US, talking about the climate has become a very difficult and polarizing conversation. It's yeah. become almost political that like, you know, you you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics, you know, I mean, we break those rules here at Vote Common Good all the time. That's kind of what we're all about. But there is kind of that thing of like, okay, I don't want to talk about like when I I'm going home for Christmas, there's a few things I don't I don't want to talk about Donald Trump. I don't want to talk about 
Hunter Biden, I don't want to talk about climate change. Like mm-hmm. there, like there's some things that people feel like um, can be very divisive. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you tackle that? How do you how do you well like what's your approach with with that? Yeah, um, maybe before I go straight to your question, it was interesting to me when when you look at at surveys um, and you look specific more specifically, you know, to you know, Democrats, liberals tend to you know, think that, that obviously climate change is happening and um, and it's on the conservative side, you know, that, you know, some people feel, you know, more awkward about this conversation. And, but what is interesting is when you look at surveys, it all depends on how you ask the question. So if you ask the question in a non-political way, in something that doesn't trigger your identity, right? It doesn't trigger you like, I'm a conservative, I'm a Republican. Then people on the conservative side, just like people on on the liberal side are really concerned, right? They see the thing happening, right? I mean, yeah, here in upstate New York, there used to be, you know, two foot of snow the whole winter and there no longer is, right? Somebody the other day who lives in Long Island tells me that when he was a kid, trucks would drive across the ice from Long Island on the ocean to Fire Island, right? Like unthinkable today. So people people see this, people are concerned, right? So if you ask it in a non-political way, lots of conservatives are really concerned. As soon as you ask the same question, but you phrase it in some way that sounds political, right? That, that you know, touches your identity. Suddenly people feel like they have to say, oh, it's not happening, or maybe it's happening, but it's, it's, it's human, you know, it's not human made, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And so um, my advice would be, bring it in the same way, bring it in a non-political way, which is what we've done with the week, by the way, right? Like the whole way we, we talk about this is we just leave politics aside. Like, you know, this is about us, our children. Like I'm like, so I, you know, I believe that climate change is happening. I, you know, we see it. We, um, I believe that we need to take a lot of actions, but let, let's imagine that I'm wrong. Right. Um, you know, in worst case in 30 years, you know, what will my kids say? Oh, you were wrong about this thing. But imagine I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm denying this thing and it's really happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, what your kids will tell you is like, what, you know, for your, yeah. you know, party affiliation, yeah. you there's a, to ignore the science and yeah. you, so, you know, there's a Pascal's so, wager kind of thing to it. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Fred, I want to, I want to ask you, so a lot of people don't have a problem with the first two movements in the U it seems to me that you've described, right? They, they look, they see, they recognize things, they got it. Yeah. They yeah. see that there's a scenario. The issue comes in what is someone supposed to do? And yeah. that that's where it gets political. So they're like, hey, I understand this is happening, but don't take my gas you know, running automobile. Don't tell me about my gas stoves. Don't tell me about my light bulbs, yada, yada. So the, the, the response side, or people saying like governments doing carbon buy-offs and just paying another country so they can pollute on their behalf. And uh, that's not good enough. It's, it's almost always the response to the dilemma, not the dilemma. And, and, and when people are like, well, just don't get to the response. Of course, nobody wants to. So I want your response to that. And then, and then also to this, there's a very deep sense that I have that there are some crises that cannot be solved by individual personal responses. Mm-hmm. They, that's not how we got them. Yeah. We didn't get them by human behavior and, and choices of 
foods that we bought or which so many look whether i recycle my cans is something i'm going to do but that's not the solution because that wasn't the problem there might be really good reasons why we do that it keeps people alive and awake and i think it's a really good practice all this but it's not the solution how do you I mean, it, it it feels a bit like when I hear these conversations with people about like when you meet with somebody who works in hospice care and they're like, Here, here's here's what I know in hospice care. Every one of us is going to die. You don't want to look at it, but you will. Yeah. Chances are in 30 years, and if not 30, then 40, and if not 40, then 50, and if not 50, then 100, you're going to be dead. <laughs> and you're not dealing with it. You're walking around in your life, right? And it, you should deal with it and you should maybe make arrangements for it. You should maybe prepare for it. Don't let your kids run into you just dying and then your stuff is a mess and you didn't do anything. But that existential crisis is something human beings choose to avoid consistently. So it feels like when people get to the dire, what should we do 30 years? They're like, well, it's inevitable or there's nothing I can really do about it. This is at a higher point pay level or the things you're asking me to do at some point, they just feel, you know, like, like, sure, I could go work out and I will, and I should, but that's because I want a better life, not because I want to add a day. Yeah. So if, if, do, you, do you see what I'm getting at? I know a lot of people who just struggle, not with the down move and not with the grief, but yeah. with the, what are we supposed to do about this? And if I start telling myself that I become the hero in this crisis story, I don't know that that really feels honest to, to what I should be doing. So anyway, all, all of that, do you have, you've obviously thought about all this and I'm interested in how you, how you deal with it. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in the third episode, when we go up to you, you know, we share what these nine people that we, that we filmed, like, you know, what they decided to do. And very quickly, we sort of populate that thing with like lots of things you can do. Right. And so we quickly overcome this idea of what could I do? I didn't, don't even know where to start, like other than, you know, recycling or, or changing light bulbs to like, there's tons of things you can do, right? There's things you can do at home, in your home, and there's like a whole list. There's things that you can do in the communities you're part of. There's things you can do in your workplace if you have, you know, that's often a place where like, you know, you know, if you want to avoid a bit of plastic or whatever you want to do, or, you know, save some energy at home, that's great. But like in your workplace, you can do that times 500, like, you know, if you, if you start initiating a project and it's fun and to do it with colleagues. And then there's things you can do in sort of the wider community and activism, and and then and then there's obviously you know influencing what 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 governance and 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 politics can do. So there's very quickly we establish like hey, there's tons of things you can do, and then within that, what would sound like me? Like what would be fun? Like what am I good at? Like you know, and one of the things that I found striking as you know when we got deeper into this over the last four years is we met so many interesting people. And none of them would want to go back to before they had really dealt with it oh. and before they got active, right? In some ways, they feel like their life's got richer, like they've met interesting people. They do stuff that feels meaningful. Like if they're more introverts, they do stuff on their own, research stuff, and they maybe they've insulated their own home because they're you know introverts. If they're extroverts, they found their gang, they found their group with whom they're doing interesting things. And so, yeah, I, I can just invite you like, Go do the week and then see in episode yeah. three everything that shows up Great. because because yeah among all these things there will be something that will be that will be fun for you yeah but okay I, I love it and, and look all the things we can do to be more humanly engaged and flourish better as humanity is important 
often in environmental conversations, though, the, the thing that drives a lot of people to it is they want to solve the problem. Yeah. How do you deal with that question for people who oh. are like, I'm uh, looking at this and I am not going to be satisfied with like, hey, I met some changed. good people and I learned yeah. a few things and yeah. nothing yeah. changed. In and now years, my, like, yeah, like maybe now I my got it off my back and my kids are yeah. going to say like, well, grandpa worked hard, yeah. <laughs> but nothing actually changed. Like, I don't yeah. just want to do reputation protection. I want to change the environment. You know what I'm getting at? Like those people who do that, how do you yeah. deal with both of those impulses or both of those realities? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, not struggling, but like they, they show up in my, in my own life. Like, you know, yeah. you know, is what I'm doing, is it, is it enough? And, and one thing that I understood at some point is I think I've just watched too many superhero movies. I've read too many Harry Potter books to my kids and I've, and I think collectively we've sort of been brainwashed with this idea that when there's a crisis, you know, there is the one person, you know, the chosen one, right. Or the person with the soup, you know, the superpowers who will save the day for everyone else. Right. And obviously I'm not the chosen one. I don't have superpowers. Like there's, you know, this crisis is so big. I won't save it. And so there's part of me that just goes like, well, shit, if I won't save it, then I might just as well not do anything. Right. And. And obviously that's not how the world works, right? Like if you look at any major historic change, right? Like if you look at, you know, how do we get from thinking that a king should rule us or that, the, you know, the, the most stupid son of the king should rule us uh, to the idea of democracy? Like, you know, it wasn't because there was a superhero or a chosen one who imposed it. It was because sufficient number of people stopped believing that whole story of, mm -hmm. you know, of, feudalism and the king and wanted something else, right? And so it's the same, like, if we, if ever we're going to get out of this mess, it's because enough people do enough things. And so I just need to do something that feels big enough for me. Like, I don't want to just, like, say no to plastic straws or or recycle. Like, I want to do meaningful stuff. And for me, it's yeah. the week, right? Yeah. Um, for so some people, it's like something they will do in their workplace or, you know, get solar panels on the roof of your church or get, you know, whatever it is like for you, get stuff that feels big enough, that feels meaningful for you and trust that there's millions of other people who work on something else. Like mm -hmm. I don't need to work on electric cars, somebody else, like there's tons of people doing yeah. that. I don't need to work on insulating homes, tons of people doing that, right? I don't need to work on shifting our food, you know, agricultural systems to more regenerative systems. Like people are working on changing the farm bills. Like that's one of the things that's exciting. Like once you get into this, you suddenly see like, hey, there's actually these millions of people who are working on this. I had no idea. Like, they, sure. you know, I had. But does, yeah. does that ever depress you when you're like, hey, we've had Earth Day as an official recognized day for more than 50 years in this country. Yeah. Uh, people have been on it. Uh, we have so many efforts to try to deal with it. And yet, and, and, and look, I, I get that. Like when you talk about the environment, that's a big category from yeah. air pollution to water to uh, mercury levels in fish because there's no safe fish to eat anywhere in the world because mercury loads, um, uh, there's contamination. None of that has to do with climate change, right? Those yeah. are separate issues from climate change. So a lot of people can't really figure out like, hey, if I'm going to, do I, do I rip the label off my cans before I put them in recycling? That may not have anything to do with carbon dioxide loads in the environment that's causing you know, yeah. uh, gas buildup. So 
like how do you help people or or do you not do you sort of deal with uh, um in the in the program itself when it's a broad range of environment issues environmental issues really different than climate change particularly when it comes to the the heating of the air and the water on the planet and so on yeah and by the way we don't talk only about climate change right like you know, episode one, we talk about all of these different things. We talk about like, you know, how life is collapsing and, you know, how pollution is is everywhere. And so we, we take sort of this broad look at things, basically like how we're sort of mistreating creation, right? That That's sort of like the, you know, the broader perspective we take. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm hopeful and I feel like we can, we can turn this around. And there's other times where I feel like, shit, this isn't moving fast enough. Um, you know, then I choose to ground myself in the things where we've made real progress. Like, I mean, like air pollution, we've made real progress. It's yeah. still bad, but we've made huge progress. Like, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people who would have died, actually millions of people who would have died if we hadn't taken some really important legislations in the 70s. The water is much better in a lot of places. And so it's important to, like, if you look totally. at, if you look at renewable energies, I mean, they're now cheaper than coal, they're you know cheaper than than gas and oil in many places, and they will get much cheaper, right? So, you know, our our electricity bills will go down. I mean, so it's a miracle of technology what's happened there. So, you know, I I choose to ground myself in the things that are positive while not avoiding like you know the the, yeah. the things that are negative. But like I think it's important to to keep looking at the things where we're making real progress. Yeah, I, I have a friend who's big in the environmental movement, and he taught me this this concept. Um, he said, look, when it comes to the environment, it's one of the issues that's not a problem to be solved. Mm-hmm. He says problems have solutions and you just execute the solution. And we have a lot of problems. The environment is a predicament, meaning yeah. it's a grand dilemma that requires multiple responses, of di- multiple kinds of responses over time. Th- that's a different way to sort of orient someone and a lot of people come into crises, social crises or whatever, with problem solution mentality. And he's like, you have to come with predicament response. Uh, I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that, do, do you find that to be true? And is that part of what you're trying to do is give people a different frame for how to think about what they do in light of all this when they, you know, I, yeah. I get it. Different personalities are, are, are different on this. But yeah. and, and again, I would just want to stress like, all we do is sort of an invitation. Hmm. We don't tell people what to think. We don't tell people what to do because like, who am I? Like, I'm Fred Laloux. Like, you know, you hadn't heard of me, you know, 10 minutes ago. Like, you know, why would I be, you know? So um, so it, it's very much like the week is something that's done by ordinary people for other ordinary people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've grappled with this. It felt really meaningful. We want to help other people grapple with this. And, and so, yeah, we don't tell people what to think. We don't tell people what to do. Um, I remember like early on when we had these, um, you know, these, these, before we even had the films, like there was one friend who had invited his dad to watch it. And, and his dad was sort of climate change is not real sort of, you know, very sort of, you know, and he had his arms crossed the whole, you know, three episodes. Right. And he just was there because his son had invited him. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the third episode, he finally sort of uncrossed his arms and he said, you know, this was really good. And I finally trust them. Yeah. And, and he said, I trust them at the, they trusted them at the moment where they said, we don't know what you should do. Like I was always waiting for what is sort of their hidden agenda. 
Yeah. Like, where where do they want to lead me? Like, what do they want me to do? And when they finally told me at the at the end, like, yeah, you figure out what how you want to respond. And yeah. he finally was like, okay, this is this is for real. Like, you know, they they don't want to manipulate me. Um, yeah. So we can we can only share from our own experience that this has felt meaningful. That we are now like on the other side, like so many people who say, I would never want to go back, even though some of looking at some of this was actually painful. Mm-hmm. But I never want to go back. And I've just met so many cool and interesting people. And even mm-hmm. though I won't be able, like you say, it's not a problem to be solved. And certainly I won't be able to solve it on my own. But the feeling that I'm doing my part, um, the feeling, it's even like small things. And for everybody, it's going to be different. I, I can just share for myself, like when I'm walking through nature now, like I have a different mm-hmm. appreciation. Like mm-hmm. I just know the beauty of it and the preciousness of it and the sacredness of it in a way that I didn't when I just took it for granted. Mm. Like the idea, like, you know, yeah, where I live, like, you know, the snow has already disappeared. It's going to be so much hotter. Like the weather where I live in upstate New York will in 30 years, that's what people predict, look pretty much like Washington, D.C. now. It will be humid and mosquitoes and no more snow. And so a lot of the nature that I love around here will disappear, will be replaced by something else. So now I have just a sense of preciousness. Mm. Um, and so, so yeah, so for everybody, this is going to be a different journey, something else mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. Uh, show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fred, let's, um, let's talk about distribution for a minute. Like it, how, like if, what's the approach in terms of like, you know, someone who might be interested in, in, in watching, like, is it, is it on Netflix? Like how, do, like, how do you, how do you do this? And you know what, and like, come on, what's the, like you mentioned the hidden agenda, what is the hidden agenda? Like what, like, come on, this is gonna like, you know, what, I mean, I what's, can tell the, you. what's, what's the cost? What's the like, you know, okay. you know, okay. I mean, there's no hidden agenda. I can tell you what, what our hope is, you know, we, 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 we put three years of our lives into, into making these films. And so, you know, obviously our hope is, that lots and lots of people will be inspired to do this um, for two reasons. I mean, just for themselves, because I think it's such a beautiful, meaningful experience and and for them to be able to say to their kids, like, I have no regrets. Um, and then more broadly, like, I, I think that if we have a chance to turn this around, it's because millions of people change their workplace from within, you know, you know, do stuff in their community that that's that's cool. And so, so yeah, we hope obviously that millions of people can, can watch this. Um, it's not on Netflix. Um, yeah, you're just showing this page, like, you know, organizing session is easy, you know. So it's not on Netflix. You just need to go to the website of the week. So it's theweek.oo. Uh, the reason it's not on Netflix or any of the streaming platforms is because the whole magic of it is that you can't watch it alone, that you do it with a group, that there's a conversation afterwards that, you know, which on Netflix wouldn't happen. So yeah. um, go on the week. It's free if you do it at home or with friends or with, with family or with your faith group or whatever it is. Um, there's a really low cost uh, of $20 per participant if you do it in the workplace. So workplaces you know, have to pay a fee. Um, the, the reason we do that is you know, all the films were, you know, the, the production was paid for by, by donations. So you know, we're a nonprofit, um, but you know, going you know, asking rich people to give you money is exhausting. And so we hope that, you know, if, 
if uh, you know enough people watch it inside workplaces and it's starting to happen like you know 40 percent of of the sessions happen in, in workplaces so there's large workplaces that will roll it out as a training program and so hopefully that will generate enough revenue um to pay for the small staff that that we now have in our nonprofit to um to help distribute it um so again free if you do it at home donation is very much encouraged at the end and then and and you know twenty dollars in, inside the workplace um and the way most people do it is that they assemble the first group um sort of test it out you know it, it takes a bit of a you know you take like a little bit of a social risk the first time you do it right like you invite friends you haven't seen it and you're like okay apparently this thing is really cool so let's do it um now really i mean the response we get is just amazing so you know i, I don't think you're actually taking much risk but like the first time you don't know um and Fred, I, can, I can imagine two levels of risk in the people i will invite i'm gonna, I'm gonna do i'm gonna do one of these myself i think this is brilliant okay. um what one of those are people that are like oh I, i'm not interested in this stuff this is kind of a bunch of fooey hooey or you know yeah. it's all dire the other are people who are like okay, the first thing we're going to do is talk to all of our neighbors and get them to stop watering their lawns. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to make sure that the cans are collected. The third thing we're going to do is make sure that when somebody's painting a house that they don't use this kind of paint. Like they just kick in immediately to the, I've been thinking about this a long time and I didn't need this documentary and here I go, right? That energy. Um, yeah. Do you give tips and help to hosts like me that have this worry that like, the people who will say yes to this are people who care about the environment. And a lot of those people in my life, they do have an agenda about what you should do. And they're not going to let any group of people that are sitting in a room talking about this leave without knowing the three things they should do. Uh, or tell me that I can't have an Amazon delivery at my house again because the social shame is through the roof. You see what I'm getting at? Let's talk about How do you help a host uh, feel good about how this is going to go down? Yeah. So let me talk about you know the both both extremes that you talked about right. So the people who normally like go like ah not interested don't want to do this right. Um, if it's like if you want to invite them because they're important they're meaningful we we have lots of people who say like hey I invited my parents they're not into this you know but it was important for me for them you know to understand me right like something that was important to me is that the the advice we give them is to say hey please join this thing. I know this might not be something that you would choose to do, but it's really important. And so if you want to mm. understand where I'm at, nice. if our relationship matters, like, you know, and, and again, trust me, this is not something I have no expectations. I don't want you to do necessarily something at the end. It's just for you to understand where I'm coming from. And so suddenly, ah, you know, the sort of the shoulders drop, people go like, okay, that, that that's okay. I can do that, you know, because you matter to me. Um, so that's one extreme. The other extreme, the people who are already like gung ho, right? Um, we tell them like, you're not the target audience, right? Like you're already like deep into this, right? So you, for you, it's probably not gonna be something very new, um, but you might find it interesting as something that you might use with those family and friends and, and colleagues who you've been trying to convince. And the more you try to convince them, the more they push back. And then generally by that time, people like smile and laugh because they recognize themselves. Like, you know, they've yeah. been just pushing too hard and they've noticed like it's not working. So they're frustrated, right? One of the reasons that they are so adamant is they're frustrated. They've tried to get people to care and they haven't managed to, you know. And so you didn't, we introduced the week as like, hey, here's a tool, watch it with me. And I think you might th find it an interesting tool to then share it with those people you've been trying to convince hmm. where it hasn't worked hmm. because then the week sort of 
does the work for you. You no longer have to convince them. You just need to invite them um, and then let the thing do it sort of it's, it's magic. And I think the tone that we use in, in the week is simply the tone that I like, which is like no blame, no shame, no telling people what to do. And so um, I think people get it. Like when they've watched it, even, even though before that they were into the shaming piece, like yeah. they've sort of rubbed off on them, I think. I, I like that. No, no blame, no shame. The website also has no polar bears. Um, can, can you uh, say why why that's important and what you're getting at with that little phrase there? Um, this is not you know, with a polar yeah, bear I mean, X, it, an X through it. It was just very important to me. Like one thing that was frustrating. So when, when my wife and I four years ago decided we really wanted to find out what's going to happen. Um, and maybe this will reflect badly on me, but like, to be honest, I wasn't so interested in icebergs melting and polar bears. I mean, I, I do care about polar bears, but like I've never met one in my life, but I really do care about my kids, right? And I really do care about my friends. And so what I wanted to find out was like, what is gonna freaking happen to me and my kids where I live? And it wasn't that easy to find, like honestly, mm -hmm. like a lot of the literature that's out there, you know, talks about icebergs melting and sea levels rising and, you know, but like, where I live and me and my kids. And so that's, you know, it took us a lot of time to actually find that information. I mean, obviously lots of scientists have looked at it, but you have, we had to find that information. And just this example that I gave you, like, for instance, like there's this team of scientists that looked at every major city around the world, including, you know, all the major cities in the US. And they looked at, okay, what is that weather going to be like in 30 years from now? Right. And what is the closest city today that has the same weather mm -hmm. as that yeah. city? Right. And so, you know, Boston, you know, the weather in 30 years is going to be like the weather in, in Charlotte. Right. right. We get Kansas City here and a lot of people truly and I'm not even being facetious yeah. about this. People are like, I could totally go with Kansas City weather in the Minneapolis yeah. environment. I would take it in a minute. Like there's yeah. this weird thing with climate change with that uh, uh, weather predictor thing people are like yeah. Ooh, that sounds a more mild winter sounds terrific yeah and then and then you get pl places like you know san diego that are going to end up in somalia right or that yeah. they're going to end up like the closest city they found was in somalia or was in, in pakistan and yeah. so it's it's suddenly yeah. like you know all of the u.s drift southward but then some bits just completely you know you're washed and, out yeah anyway so the whole polar bear thing was like i i wanted to find out like what yeah. is going to happen to us like what other places, you know, we, I've now realized like in 30 years, we know that there's places in the U S that are going to become unlivable, that are going to be insurable. Like, you know, some people sure. know this yeah. or know this, like in California a few months ago, like the number one and number three insurance companies in California stopped offering coverage in the whole of California. They're just pulling out of yeah. California. Yeah, and so as well. yeah. you know, this is the beginning of like, Hey, when insurance companies pull out, that means that, you know, banks no longer offer mortgages. If banks no longer offer mortgages, like the price right. of the assets that you've accumulated just collapses, you know, yeah. taxes. Huge decisions about why millions of people are moving to deserts when exactly. there's not enough water. Like these are, this yeah. is the, the implication of a lot of these decisions have to do with things like you're discussing, like the business so, implications that go to make it possible for people to live in the middle of deserts. Exactly. You know, and so Arizona, like, California, Nevada. In, in Minneapolis and or you know and 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 me in upstate New York, like we are going to be the places where millions of people will move to. To yeah, 
right? So when you say like, hey, you know, whether he's going to be like like Washington DC, oh, maybe that's not too bad. And it and it it's it's not too bad. That's why millions of people will move here because they will have to move away from other places. But then you know, what does that mean? You know, here for you know for us for our economy. Hey, hey Fred, I'm sure because you're you're good at this. This website is terrific. People care about it. That as people pay attention, you're getting a lot of opinions. I imagine you're getting opinions from people who are big into environmental response uh, mm -hmm. things, scientists, climate scientists, uh, activists, and others. Uh, are you running into any people who are like, hey, thanks for trying, but you're really, we need you or would want you, or you really should say this, do this. Uh, how is that going? And do you, do you feel that pressure? from the, the people who have been in this for a long time. And, you know, they might say to you as they do to me and a lot of things I'm into, like the zeal of the newly converted is really great, but yeah. those of us have been around, we want to tell you how this works around here. And it goes a little yeah. something like this. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've, we've had our fair share of that. I mean, mostly people are really positive and they get it, but like sometimes people have been in the space for 30 years mm -hmm. and they want us to tell the most advanced story that they are like into, like, you know, if you really look at it, like we will need more nuclear power and you should say that, or we, you know, we're like, you know, we have three times one hour, like we can't go into like, you know, um, there's a, you know, one part, but then there's also like some of them that are the purists, like, you know, you talk about electric cars, but it should only be public transport because electric cars is not a solution. And I go like, yeah, maybe, but like, you know, people we like who live rurally like me, we, you know, we will still need a car. So, you know, it's better if it's electric than, than if it's, you know. So, yeah, we, we get our fair share of, of people like, you know, actually you haven't talked about like, yeah. you know, the heart of this is the monetary system, the debt, you know, the interest bearing monetary system that pushes us to ever more growth. And like, and we go like, okay, we, we get it. Like you, you know, that's really important to you, but, but yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's an illustration of it being a dilemma. And not a problem, right? Like it, yeah. you know, it implicates all of this. It really does implicate, implicate yeah. it. Um, and it seems like you also have, and and I appreciate this, but I imagine some other people don't. A human, uh, a human centric view of environment and climate change. What is the impact on human beings? There's a lot of people in the environmental movement that will say, like, look, the Earth is not going to go away. The Earth will be here. It was here in a ice age. It was here when there were dinosaurs. The earth is going to be here. But human beings are not going to flourish. You know, alligators might, but not human beings. But that's a particular view. That's a very human-centric view of the environment. Are you deliberate about that? Do you, um, and do you want people to sort of know th that part of this when they, when they get into it? Or do you have thoughts about any of that? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like in the environmental movement, there is this part of the movement that is starting to sort of hate humanity, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, if we weren't there, like all these problems would be solved, like, you know, and and I don't subscribe to that. Um, I mean, yes, you know, we've taken over the planet and in the process we've done lots of damage. And, um, but I was very touched. There's um, this, um, this young, Native American activist, Lila June Johnson, and, and she talks about humans as a keystone species. You know, keystone species are these species that really, you know, um, determine their environment, like wolves in, in, in Yellowstone or, um, or grizzly bears, or like, you know, if you take them out, you know, the whole thing changes and unravels, like they're needed as a keystone species. 
And we've become this keystone species. Um, we've just not used that power very well. But actually, we can use that power amazingly well. And there's so many beautiful stories. And we might not have time for that. But like, oh, I just have chills just mentioning that. Like, you know, you have these farms that were sort of traditionally farmed, you know, with monocultures and pesticides and life just collapses, you know. So we play our role as keystone species kind of badly in that thing. But use other agricultural practices, which, by the way, are better for farmers. Like it takes a little bit of figuring out because the whole financial system is stacked against you. But like, you know, you no longer need to deal with these pesticides that, you know, are not good for farmers' health. And like life rebounds. I mean, you have just the most amazing, you know, ecosystem. Like in nature, rebounds so quickly. Like that's one of the things we've learned recently. Like in 10 years, like a farm that was farmed traditionally, like, I mean, you just have an explosion of life, right? And so we can use our role as keystone species to very quickly, like when we decide yeah. that we're going to protect 30% of the oceans, like within 10 years, like these 30%, I mean, life just completely rebounds, right? And so I, I don't have that hating image of, of humans, but I also, also think that we need to be aware that we are keystone species, right? Like I, I remember there's this one statistic that maybe I shouldn't give it away because it's in episode one, but like- mm -hmm. um, No one will you know, remember. You know, we, we, we're not too heavy on statistics. I mean, all of the science that we present is really solid. We had like a scientific committee, like, you know, vet everything we did. But we were trying to look for these illustrations that hit home on me, like, you know, more than any sort of just data and facts. And, and there's like this one tidbit. If you take the weight of all human beings, okay, imagine we were, you know, put all human beings on a scale, like, you know, the 8 billion of us. And then you take the weight of all of our livestock, Right, all of our vertebrate livestock, right, and you know, so the, the the cows and the chickens, and right, and then on the other side of the scale, you would put all of wildlife, right, all of vertebrate wildlife, like all of the bears and what, what have you, right, and then you would compare the weight, like you know, what do you think, you know, how do these two compare? Hmm. Well, it looks like humans and our livestock are now ninety six percent of the weight. Hmm. All of the other, you know, wildlife is down to four percent. Like, so we have to be like. When I hear heard that, like, I realize, like, yeah, Ricky. I mean, you know, we're dominating this this place, right? We're just dominating this place. Like, another tip that didn't make it into the films. I'm just going to say it. I don't know, Rob, if you came across this thing. Like, if you take all of the weight of the human generated stuff, so our asphalt, our buildings, our plastic, our, you know, if you take the weight of all human made stuff. It's more than the weight of all living things, hmm. of all trees, of oil living soil. I mean, that's, you know, so, so it's, you know, it's human centric in a sense, like, yeah, let's realize like how much we've taken over. Hmm. And let's also realize like how quickly we could change things for the better. Because if we partner with nature, nature just rebounds so quickly. And it's yeah, did, I'm sure you saw it, that film that Apple put out um, with the National, Ge with National Geographic, what happened during the pandemic. Yeah. Have you seen that one where yes. they, no, I heard about it, but I still have to see it. It's yeah. amazing that what they, I mean, a bunch of, of, of photographers and videographers of nature when the pandemic hit realized, Hey, we're shutting the planet down. Let's go see what happens. So they set cameras all over and, and uh, recording devices in the oceans and within weeks, animals were coming back into uh, cities and, uh, dolphins and whales were communicating in 
tones and patterns that songs that they hadn't used before because the ships uh, affected them. And like within a year that there was somebody in, I think it was in India who had tears in his eyes because he said he saw the mountain that he knew was there, but pollution had covered it and he had never seen it in his life. Wow. To, to your point wow. that this now created a global you know, commerce shutdown of 70% is a big deal, but the planet wants to heal, you know, (laughs) like it it is, it is an extraordinarily moving, uh, uh, visual experience to sort of watch it. And it's, it's, as you, as you put so well, it's, it's conflicted as both heart inspiring and heart sinking, uh, because we know that just, you know, we just went right back to it. Yeah. Hey, Fred, um, just say again if somebody's interested in in checking out the week yeah maybe you know family's going to be around you know this coming week <laughs> and uh you know for the holidays and you want to you know you know do something meaningful or you know thinking about maybe a church group um a small group at at your church or even thinking about talking with the you know the HR department at your work and you know, like, hey, let like, how, if if somebody's interested in doing this, um, um, you know, how what do they do? Where do they go? How does that work? So they just go to. Oh, sorry, did you hear that? Somebody's. Yeah, it's, I don't I'm know. sorry. I thought, I thought this was part of your answer. It's going to be <laughs> a musical interlude. Um, yeah, well, you start dancing. Know. First thing you do, you, you play this yeah. beat and you dance to it. Um, so the first thing, you, yeah, you do is you just go to the website, uh, theweek.ooo, um, and you just say like, okay, register my group. You just go there. You say like, okay, it's a group of whatever, four people, eight people, ten people, whatever it is. Um, and uh, so you sign up for your session, and and then you um, say if it's an online group or an in-person group, and then we will send you the the links. So the link to episode one, and then you land on a page. I don't know if you can show it here. That's really simple, really well done. Said like step one, you know, you know, welcome everyone. And then step two, watch the film together. Step three, take a one minute break, you know, if you want to, you know. Um, and 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 step four, you know, you know, here's the conversation starter. Um, the, the thing is, we try to make it as easy as possible. So as an organizer, like you just receive an email that explains all that. That the thing is self-explanatory. So you know. It's super easy, um, and especially for the conversation part, like we don't expect the organizer to facilitate things in any particular way. So we set things up. That was really important for us, rather than giving like the organizer say a PDF that says like, okay, this is what we suggest you do, and then the, you know you have to look at the, oh, what am I supposed to do? And you look awkward oh, in front of the adult. Yeah, um, we have an initial little video that everybody watches together that just says like, okay, time for the conversation. You know, here's a question that we suggest you reflect on and, and share about. And here's a format that we suggest. And so as an organizer, you're just a participant like any other. So you're not expected to, you know, to sort of lead that conversation. And we offer some ground rules where we offer some ground rules of like, hey, everybody speaks in turn, no interruptions. You know, if you can speak from the heart, don't make this sort of some political intellectual debate. And all of that sort of helps to ground these conversations in a way that makes them that makes them pretty pretty simple. So that that was really important for us. So um, if you're an organizer, like don't feel like you have any pressure. Um, like everything is 
is pretty self-explanatory. Oh, yeah. And again, and again, yeah. it's free of charge. Mm -hmm. If you know, if you're doing it at work, it's twenty dollars per person. But if you're doing it at church, you're doing it with your neighbors, you're doing it with your family. It's free of charge. Yeah, like yeah. we should say that this is worth like two hundred dollars, and it it really is. I mean, <laughs> you get it. It's, um, yeah, it's it's really high quality, and right. it's you know I've I've seen it super high quality, and like this is not and it there's not a there's not a bait and switch there's not a like okay you watch this and then you're gonna get the you know the hard ask at the end you know to make Fred rich is like there a that, chance it, like, that people can buy better cleaning supplies in a process where they can then sell those cleaning supplies to other members of the group. And when they get people to sell the cleaning supplies, everybody wins. Is there any chance that? No. There's no multi-level marketing that comes in session. No, I, I'm not clever enough for it. Hey, what are the chances, Fred, that somebody who's a little less um, trusting yeah. would want to sign up to host and they would say, I really want to watch the three documentaries first before I invite mm -hmm. people. Do you encourage that? Do you allow that? What, what are your so we don't encourage it. We say like, you know, watch it as a group because we, the, the risk is just, you know, you, you watch it on your own. But if, if you're clear that you watch it, you just want to see it in order for uh, people. There is actually sort of a little preview feature at the moment where you sign up your group. You can click like, hey, I actually just want to have a sneak mm -hmm. preview. And then you can actually see the page that you land on with the films and you can start watching and see, you know, the films that they're high quality. So um, you, you can use that sort of preview feature um, to yeah. just feel comfortable about it, which I, which I get, like I get, you know, invite, when I invite friends, like, you know, I prefer to be sure that this thing is, is, is high quality. Um, what a lot of people do um, is that they watch it the first time with a group and then they're so moved that they say like, okay, now, part of the things that I want to do is, is spread this thing. And so, yeah. so, you know, you know, I did it with my little church group, but now let's, let's try to spread it, mm. you know, in the church or like people in the workplace, like, you know, oh, another interesting thing is people like watch it at home and then say like, Oh, I, I want to bring this, you know, sure. watch it with yeah. colleagues or, or the other way around. Fred, I, I've, yeah. I've, I think about people in this dilemma too. I, I I've started playing music at these open mic nights okay. and I was talking to somebody at an open mic and he said, well, I like to play over at this other one as well. And they do a featured artist thing, but you have to guarantee that you'll have 15 people that will show up if you're the featured artist to sort of watch. And he, he looked and said, he's a little older than I am. So he's probably early sixties. And he said, I don't have 15 friends. <laughs> just, just honestly, like that's the problem. Okay. I, it is really true. A lot of people don't have friends that they would be like, I don't know. They're, I don't know who would do this or that. Do you do anything to encourage people to say like, I don't know, put something out with non friends on Facebook or in an, I don't know, in a oh. Craigslist ad or something, <laughs> or do you really think, no, 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 no. Yeah. Let this be in a relational network. Do you have any thoughts about that for people who are thinking about wanting to do this online or elsewhere? Yeah. I mean, if you have a group that you, that is an obvious group to do it with, then then that's what we encourage you to do. That just makes lots of sense. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we have people who've posted something on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm just like, I want to do this, and here are three dates, and who who wants to join me? And so people have done it, and it and it and it works. Um, again, or sometimes you do it, yeah, 
you know, you know, in the you know work. Rob, this this has me thinking we should just do one of these vote common good wise. Like, yeah. Do, do, oh, do, do, do you have a yeah. suggestion of how many people are good to have in a, an online group? Like, yeah. is, is there a number yeah. you think works or does it just break so, people into groups? Exactly. By, by people people, in the discussion? There's actually something powerful about this being a very large group. So we've had groups like I think the largest we've had so far is like 400 people. Mm -hmm. um, and then they you break them out into subgroups. Um, you know, in, for the conversation. But there is something powerful when you start this thing and you see that there's lots of people and you just know like, hey, wow, lots of people are going through the same experience that I, I am watching the film mm -hmm. and breaking out of subgroups. So you can, there, yeah, there's no limit. We should totally do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Well, great, mm -hmm. great. See, this was just going to be a good conversation, Fred. You said you didn't have any agenda. Now I got mm -hmm. I got three things to go do out of this. This is yeah. this is how people like you work. You're sneaky. You're sneaky <laughs> like that. You're like, hey, I'm not here to sell you anything, but take a bite of this chocolate and see if you want to bring the bar home with you. Uh, yeah. Well done. <laughs> I see that magic trick. Yeah, uh, Fred, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us, and hey, thank one, you for one this last thing really... before before Rob yeah. does the right thing to land this plane. I've never seen a website that is you know the week dot o o o. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, people oh, always oh, ask. Oh, Exempic, I think, is what comes to mind. <laughs> you know what? What is OOO? It was just one of those things that was created to create additional domain names, so it doesn't have actually any significance. And okay. I just liked it because, you know, .com, we're not a company, right? We're a nonprofit. But .org sounds like we're, like, I don't know, An found agenda. Thing, totally. agenda or something like th like what is the domain name for like ordinary people that do stuff for other ordinary people like it didn't really exist and oh, oh, oh I, I just thought like was easy and memorable and weird and people ask about it and so they remember it and and like yep. yeah it was yeah. pretty yeah. cheap because nobody is taking the ooos <laughs> like the, the org was available but it was really expensive so yeah um yeah there you have love yeah. <laughs> yeah, the place to go is the week dot o o o. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fred, if thank you so much. Week dot com. What do they run into if they go to the week dot net dot? It's actually a magazine. It's like a, yeah. a newspaper, okay. like time. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Fred, thank you for for spending some time with us. Thank you for this really, really great, really great work in the world, and mm -hmm. thank you for. Uh, Thank you for sharing your own journey. And um, we have a little phrase we like to use around Vote Common Good where we encourage people that, to be the one who will go first. And oh, wow. uh, and and I feel like y you and Helene went first. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that gives permission for other people to, to join the journey too. And uh, yeah, so thank you for that. Thank you, this was really fun. Gift, gift to going first. We, we accept that gift. Hey, and uh, do all you can, all y'all, to uh, take care of each other and vote common good, and may your days get brighter. <laughs> it's a solstice joke. Okay. Uh, thanks, Fred. Thanks, everybody. I see y'all in the chat. Um, and uh, if you're still around, uh, Paul Peters, I see you. Uh, oh. So thanks for all your uh, contributions in the chat, y'all, and we will uh, talk to you soon. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. Happy solstice. Happy Hanukkah. Happy days. Mm -hmm. Happy New Year. Mm -hmm.